you know, in New York, in Midtown, I went into the office and everyone was just like, I love my job. Like, I'm, it's like, I'm learning something new every day. I get to talk to people. Recruiting-ish. Web3. World-class podcast. Let's get it. Let's go. The topics of discussion you cannot get from another. Opportunities in Web3, we got you covered. Meta intro, been dope. Gotta thank you for the love and support that you give it. Keep it coming. Going up in jazz fees, interviews with the crews, making moves, let's see, it's a brand new world of NFTs, join in, recruiting Gish Podcast, yes please, join in, recruiting Gish Podcast, yes please. All right, welcome uh, to episode two, season one of Recruiting Ish. Uh, today is November 14th and we have our first guest, but before we dive in and introduce our very, very special guest today. Um, we're going to start with our three headlines. Um, today we'll be talking a little bit about the layoffs and some ed tech news. Yeah, so crazy couple weeks, I mean, couple months in the hiring space. Um, I mean, I myself was affected by a layoff from Coinbase, so definitely hurts when I see a ton of people posted on LinkedIn or Twitter about these layoffs, um, and they're pretty deep. Um, it seems like Market's definitely contracting, budgets are probably slim in and we're coming down to the end of the year. But um, yeah, big names. Um, Lacey, you know, kind of tell us about who's who's laying off, who's coming back on uh, the market here soon. All right, so here are the headlines. Uh, I have seven, but today there were a few more uh, announced uh, for layoffs. So these are, these are the seven as of yesterday, and then I'll add the two. So. BitMEX, they're laying off 30%, Galaxy Digital, 20%, Lyft, 13%, uh, DCG, uh, 10%, Chime, 12%, Twitter, which we can talk about in a second, which was awful, um, 3,700 jobs, and Oracle. And then I saw this morning, let me see, hold on, this morning, uh, Meta just said thousands, <laughs> so pretty um what a week uh to be working in tech yeah and i mean it definitely looks like out of the people laid off a lot of recruiters um it seems like in ever scaling markets we're the most in demand but then when things shrink we are the first to go it seems like um anybody else affected by a layoff in the past by chance either you know personally or friends or anything from some of these no. Um, oh, Am I the only one? I think you're the only one. Oh, man. I know. I'm like knocking on wood. I'm like, no, but obviously we, we deal with them all the time. We're on the front lines as recruiters. Oh, and this so. is yeah. include Stripe. Yeah, I was going to say Which Stripe. Yeah. 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 A lot of ops so. folks, a lot of international folks. Yeah. It's tough. I, uh, I was scrolling through TikTok this morning and there was an engineer that got let go of Twitter. And I don't know if this is, I should probably check my facts before I talk about this, but uh, in the TikTok, they said, uh, they showed the email that they got from Twitter and the uh, subject said Twitter termination. And then inside the email was a meme of Elon saying, time to leave the nest, you're fired. Oh no. I feel I like that's got to be fake. True, <laughs> no. Like, was really true. Yeah. Is it though? Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? That sounds like that? Elon to I me. Mean, do you laugh? Do you cry? Do you say what the fuck? 
I don't, I feel like when you get laid off, there's, there's like no words. You're, I think, upset, right? You're like, why me? Um, you get it. Like, I get the decision, you know, but then it's like, well, shit, what now? Right. I mean, the whole market right now is going through this. You know, if you're an engineer at Twitter or Facebook, like, where do you go? Right. Yeah. And now there's thousands of other people you're competing with. Um, yeah. It's getting tougher and tougher to kind of land a role, I think. Especially, you know, it's like going to the holidays. People aren't really wanting to do that or thinking about it. Yeah. Did you see Stripe's letter from the CEO about the terminations? Didn't. Um, well, the, the layoff package isn't bad. Like, it, uh, I want to say payment was through February of next year. Uh, all paid time off uh, was supposed to be compensated for. Bonuses would still be recognized. Uh, I think people that were coming in on work visas, like there was some sort of help to be able to transition that. So the comp package was, wasn't awful. Um, it's not like they were just letting go of people and saying, good luck. One of the silver linings about working in tech, good severance. Yeah. Yeah. At least it gives you padding, right? Like it's not a forever solution, but it gives you that in between coverage, especially with, you know, you know, health insurance and the visa or job placement stuff. It's, it, it definitely adds up for sure. I, how, I enjoyed how, that part of it. How successful do you think the job placement services are for these big companies? I would be interested to know. I don't know if that's a fact that they'll share like what the success placement through it is. Um, sometimes they're third party. Like my first layoff at COVID from the agency I was at, it was just like a hired gun. You know, you just called in and they gave you like tips and tricks. Coinbase, they actually used the remaining recruiters, which was a little weird um, in my opinion. But like, you know, I think a lot of it was networking. You know, if you were in the company, like people network together, there's these um, spreadsheets or trackers going out where people are actively like sharing people and opportunities. So, I mean, I was super impressed. That's how I connected with Olivia. She was one of the first people to reach out and say, you know, hey, how can I help? Who can I connect you with? Like, it sucks, but let's get you back in the market. So it's, there's people out there for sure. Olivia being one of them. Thank you again. <laughs> Did you meet on LinkedIn? Yeah, we did. I'm always trying to be really cautious, right? Like, hey, take all the time that you need. Let's not like graze over this. I hate it when recruiting feels transactional and I'm like, oh, you're on the market. Let's let's bring you in type of thing. Um, yeah, I'm sure I would imagine that being laid off, it's just like a, it brings up a lot for, you know, it's very nuanced, right? And so I'm always like, Let's not just like breeze over over this. Like, how's how's it going? Um, and a lot of folks actually do take time. Like, I've had engineers be like, "I'm actually taking a break from all screens for two weeks," um, which I'm like, "Great, do that. That's what you should be doing." Um, but yeah, we did meet on LinkedIn. Well, uh, that covers the layoffs for the past week. Who knows? Maybe the next. Hopefully, not by the next episode. No more. Of more. <laughs> But um, that's a lot of layoffs just to cover in one episode. So uh, on a higher note, we can talk a little bit about EdTech and all the exciting stuff that's coming out of that corner of crypto Twitter. So Animoca Brands um, is rolling out EdTech NFTs to empower educators. 
Um, the highlight from this, Tech in Asia, talks about how uh, the blockchain Beamy Unicorn um, is rolling out education tokens called publisher NFTs. And these publisher NFTs are linked to a bundle of educational games and interactive activities called courses created by the teachers on the platform. Kind of sounds just like Teachable or Coursera, just like the Web3 version. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's pretty cool. Um, like Lacey, I mean, your product, Meta Intro, like kind of builds into this, right? Like how can we utilize blockchain to further, you know, other technologies that are outside of just the financial industry? Um, I mean, as a recruiter, yeah, it'd be super cool to have verifiable NFTs that help me vet talent. Um, and as well, like I would love some if, you know, my college degree was an NFT that probably make onboarding a lot easier or, you know, different things like that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you guys kind of think about, you know, using some of these technologies for stuff that's not just tokens and, uh, JPEGs? Oh, wow. It's good use. Yeah, I think it's great. I feel like there's a lot of untapped industries. I think the public sector is quite interesting. Um, to for for use cases and i think that's really that was my angle in in coming into web3 is just that it's this nascent technology and we don't even know what is going to be built and so i'm like if you get enough smart people in in a room cool shit's going to happen and there's a lot of legacy industries that i think can benefit from this and education is certainly one i want to see already issues their uh, diplomas as nfts i think that's starting to become a thing for some of the US-based uh, universities, which is exciting to see. But people, of course, like learn in all different types of ways. And so having platforms like these uh, that give alternative forms of education are great. And I'm curious to see like what the business model ends up being like. You know, are you rewarded as a student financially from going through these? Or are these is this just meant to be like, uh, what are they called, NTTs, where you can't transfer it? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious though, on, on like the security side, it's like, what happens if you lose your keys, right? Or like, does that mean you can't ever verify again? Or, you know, what's the customer service like? Um, like I had to get my transcript from my college and that was terrible in itself. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Animoca brands and, you know, what it's like to kind of work with them on, you know, tech help. But I think that's also, you know, the tough part about technology of crypto getting into uh, some of this other stuff is like some of the auxiliary pieces that haven't been built yet, like seeing how that kind of plays out. But I guess we'll see. You never know. Might be getting your next uh, verification through this software. We'll see. Well, um, those were the two headlines for today. Just feeling like maybe like focusing on all of the layoffs uh, was enough to uh, fill in for the third story. Um, but Today, we are here with a very, very special guest, and I'll let her introduce herself. And uh, she's from Magic Labs. Olivia, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, so we, we just call ourselves Magic internally. I feel like Magic Labs is probably our official. Um, but yeah, I'm Olivia, I'm the talent lead at Magic. We are a Web3 infrastructure company, and we're tackling mainstream user onboarding. Um, stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So how long have you been uh, with the company? I joined in May. So I think coming up on six months this month. Yeah, and how do you like it so far? I love it. So I actually, I used to work at an agency. I was kind of a consultant to early stage 
startup founders and Magic was my client. And I really had no interest in joining in-house. I think there's a lot of kind of anecdotes on the market, right? Like you get bored, you kind of just get um, eaten by the system. You're kind of a, a cog in the machine. I guess to Alex's point earlier, like layoffs usually first to go, talent. Um, this was kind of a right place, right time situation uh, for me where I noticed that I was kind of um, divesting myself of other clients and I was really leaning in on this this one company and I uh, couldn't look away from it. Um, I was like on the side, you know, slightly interested in Web3. I listened to a lot of Chris Dixon podcasts. Um, and I think for me, it's always just been inspiring to be around entrepreneurs and innovators. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I can honestly say it's been the most rewarding professional experience of my life. It's so fun every day. You couple, I mean, it's, it's hard work, like, don't get me wrong, um, especially right now, we're definitely feeling it big time. There's a lot of growth happening on the talent front. Um, but yeah, I think just coupling a nascent industry with, with startup, right? There's no roadmap, there's no rule book. And so working alongside these talented folks that I've recruited um, and getting creative and thinking outside of the box and just like implementing things in real time has been really galvanizing. Have you always wanted to be a recruiter? No. Oh, God, no. I mean, I didn't even know. Like, did you guys know recruiting was a thing before you discovered that recruiting was a thing? I was like, oh, you can do that? No. Um, yeah, no. I uh, I had a nonlinear career track, as I'm sure many who are listening have. Um, I started working in restaurants. I don't know if there's video att attached to this, but I was just showing them the, the kitchen. I'm in my dad's uh, kitchen. He's a restaurateur, grew up in food. Um, I think entrepreneurship has always been interesting to me. Um, so I was working in restaurants and wine, and then I started working uh, in media at Bon Appetit and Condé Nast. I hated it. Um, I was like, God, it just feels like everyone is is like working to live kind of thing. I'd be like on the train coming home from work and I'd be like, oh my God, these everyone here is just like, existential dread like anyways um and then i worked in events and i was just kind of confused about what i wanted to do but i knew i loved working with people that's always been like i'm a, a natural connector um i always am, am the most energized when i'm talking to people and kind of being a conduit for them and so um i started seeing a, a career coach actually and we did like a five-year plan and worked backwards and i my ex's mom, um, she owns a headhunting firm. So I was just talking to everybody. I was like, okay, yeah, like I can do this, I can do that. And then I went to this one firm and everyone was like, this was, you know, in New York, in Midtown. I went into the office and everyone was just like, I love my job. Like, I'm just, it's like, I'm learning something new every day. I get to talk to people. I'm like providing so much value for my clients. And I was like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, what? Like, who talks about work like this? Um, but honestly, like when I started recruiting, I, I got it and I was like, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe that this is a, a career path. And I actually started recruiting in March of 2020. And so it was like, uh, or February, sorry, it was one month and then pandemic. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting laid off. Like no one's hiring. But luckily my company, they kept me. And so I just, I literally just talked to people. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't in an office. There was no one there to train me. And I just started talking to people and tech was the only industry that was scaling. And um, yeah, I'm super stoked that, that all of the mechanisms and, and everything kind of aligned. Um, 
and yeah, it just feels, it feels right. So yeah, I love it. What was it like recruiting during the pandemic? Um, I mean, constant pivots, right? Like just talk. I mean, like I said, I was literally learning on the fly. So I was just mining people for information, not like in a transactional way or anything, but just like, Hey, like, what are you feeling? Where, where are you applying, et cetera. And so I think a lot of like coaching more so like, Hey, how, how are we going to like on the candidate side? Right. Like, like how, what are the steps that you need to take to, to get a job? Right. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I leaned into SaaS because obviously that was the industry that was scaling. Um, and I actually, I'm so grateful that it was during pandemic because had I been in an office, I don't know that I would be the recruiter that I am today. Like I really had to be very self-reliant and trust my instincts and intuitions. And I think when you're in an office around people who, appear to be more talented or tenured or wise, right? Um, you get imposter syndrome in a weird way and you think that there's a way to do things, but I so wholeheartedly believe that there's like no rule book when you're recruiting and that you really have to, like everyone has their own style, right? It's really about connecting with the candidate and understanding what they're looking for and then kind of aligning with the company and what they need. But really, I just see myself as, as uh, kind of like a, a liaison throughout the process. I want to drive more transparent conversations. I want to empower both parties. And I don't know that that would have happened had I been in an office. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for it. I hear you on that. I mean, the agency world, like I remember day one agency, they hand you like this guide to recruiting. <laughs> and again, you're like, what the heck is this? Here's talk tracks and like, it's very specific. And I remember the same thing, like in an office, it's intimidating. You're around people, you can't have like honest conversations. So I felt the same during COVID, like you were in your home, you felt comfortable. And I feel like recruit, recruiting became more conversational, you know, tell me about what you want to do and how can I help? Um, and I feel like, yeah, had that not happened, I might have a different opinion of recruiting because it, it can definitely burn you out. Um, but it's nice when you get to walk candidates through a very difficult and intimidating process and like, again, connect on the back end because you never know when that's going to come back around. So I, I hear you on that for sure. Yeah. And suddenly people are like talking about their lives in a way that they weren't before, right? Work and life were so separate. And then suddenly everyone was dealing with this crazy thing and it was affecting people in, in a whole multitude of ways. Um, but people started having these really important conversations. Um, and I think that that the blurring of the lines or maybe just like the addressing the the fourth wall, right? Of like, okay, but like, what is it that you actually want? want? Like, what's important to you? I don't know. I wasn't a tenured recruiter prior to, to COVID, but like, it seemed to me like those conversations became equally as important as like, let's talk about salary, right? Like, what's the environment that you want to be in? Um, so yeah, I think it, it kind of added some realness to, to recruiting for the better. So last episode, uh, I asked Alex, what's one piece of advice you'd give to somebody that wants to go into recruiting? Um, so same question for you. If uh, somebody that's like new, maybe post-college and they think they wanna go into recruiting, what's the number one piece of advice you'd give them? I would say trust your instincts. I think, yeah, like someone can tell you how to recruit, but like I said before, it's really about, it's so personal and it's, it's a, you know, human to human interaction. Right. And so there's no formula. 
Um, but I think when it comes to to people, like you kind of can trust your instincts and and uh, help drive more insightful conversations that way. Like there have been so many times where I've been like closing a candidate or, you know, or not, right? Where I'm I'm like, okay, that like, what do I actually like feel intuitively about what this person wants? Like, how can I kind of like pull that out of, of them? And how can we just like be really direct? Um, because ultimately there's no smoke and mirrors in recruiting. I think a lot of people think like, okay, you know, negotiations, salary discussions, like these are all really uncomfortable conversations. Actually, we have these conversations every single day we can normalize them and we can be honest with each other because no one has any interest in like getting you fitting a you know square peg in a round hole or like bringing you into a company that doesn't make sense. But like, how can we all be honest with each other and talk about things that like, yeah, that like actually matter once you start day one. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, just being able to be yourself and trust your instincts, I think can drive better results for that. So tell me about the team at Magic. How big was it when you started and how big is it now? Oh, I don't have the exact stats um, for when I started. We're 58 now, which we had an all hands today. And it was so amazing because everyone was, we were doing like a meet a magicians thing. So it's a, it's a monthly all hands. And I was so proud. I was like, oh my gosh, look at all of these amazing people that I've recruited. Like genuinely so proud of every single one of them. I think it must've been like 40 40 when I joined. Um, so yeah, it was a, a bit of a ramp up uh, period. And then we've had a pretty active like late summer into fall, which I guess we're in fall now. So yeah, 58. And yeah, we're, we're working through hiring. Especially coming from the agency side, it's got to be cool at a smaller, earlier stage company that's growing that fast because you get to then work with those people, right? Like tell us about those those people you've hired right like now those are the hiring managers that you are now hiring for like yeah. what's what's that kind of been like for you um different from like the agency side yeah it's, it's different right i mean less transactional i feel like i'm rinsing that word quite a bit but it is right you you kind of talk especially for us right we're series a we're hiring a lot of functional heads and now we're finding ourselves in the zone of like okay now let's scale out your team um i'd say it's it's more energizing like i i really want to support i come from a service background so like when i when i approach recruiting internally i feel like that same sense of hospitality in this in like a hey how can i help you like let me take this off your plate like really want to support these these functional heads um and so yeah it's cool to it's almost like when you conduct the reference check call you're like okay i've gathered and observed all of these things about this candidate and let me talk to somebody who's actually worked with them and it's very validating because it's like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, I, I feel this. I got this from them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. There's It means it's like a weird exponential thing because it's like I've hired four or five functional heads and then maybe there's like three people below each of them. So I'm like, okay, I'm also scaling out my team. Um, but, yeah, it, it's been fun. I'd say it's early stages of that. But um, it's nice to already have that rapport with that, all of them and to kind of understand them because – you then apply that to the recruiting strategy where it's like, okay, I, I know this person better. Maybe I understand a little bit more about the type of candidate that they want to recruit, um, how we can support them. Yeah, I'd say it's just like, it's it's more like it, it empowers me or inspires me to do better all the time. Do you get feedback from the candidates? Like, is there a cadence, like an internal cadence of check-ins, monthly, quarterly to see how they're doing? 
Yeah. So that's something that we're thinking really critically about. It's We haven't built it yet. I actually just recruited my recruiting coordinator. She started yesterday. Shout out to Brie. Love her. Um, she wrote me today. She said, I just don't know how to be anyone other than myself. And I was like, that's absolutely <laughs> I that. perfect. Um, I know she's great. Um, yeah, the the recruiting to onboarding handoff is something that we're thinking critically about. And then beyond that, I think there's so much learned around like how best to support and empower somebody um, and how they like to be supported. Right. And so that's kind of like un covered during the recruiting process right so like i would love to create some sort of funnel of information that's like okay here to the hiring manager or whoever's supervising them right now it's a lot of c-suite right but like how can we best support them or like hey we know from this that like this is this candidate's north star these are these are the the um goals that they have in their in their career so i don't yet have that built but it's definitely something that like as i scale my team i feel like there's just a like gold mine of information um that yeah it's a great question I, i'd love to to kind of implement that into like some sort of 30 60 90 check-in situation yeah that would be awesome to do yeah some i mean that's yeah i wish someone did that for me <laughs> well, i was gonna say with it being early right like you're building yeah. a lot of that like you're you're probably working with the founders like every everything's yes. green pasture right like do you find that difficult yeah. like do you ever get done with the day and you're like man i just wish something was built yes like, tell me about maybe some of those hurdles yeah oh my gosh yeah it's so hard i think like on a personal level i'm somebody who like in my life i've struggled with with boundaries and asking for help right and so i'm so grateful for the opportunity every day to just be like constantly advocating for myself i'm super lucky to be working under leadership who just absolutely trusts me they're like we hired you because you're smart and you're an amazing recruiter and so your instincts are sound right so like there's no one here that's going to be no one is closer to recruiting than i am and so i'm the best equipped to advocate for recruiting when needs arise and so i'm constantly having to push myself outside of my comfort zone and be like okay guys like this is what i need and kind of managing like okay am i asking for too much is this actually something that that is like a right now thing or is this something that is smart and strategic do we have to put this in place um yeah it's definitely not easy i think a lot of times you know right now it's it's a lot of like ad ad hoc stuff and so i'm excited to apply framework to a lot of this you know we just hired an amazing vp of finance and ops and i'm going to be partnering with him on a lot of the framework and structure around recruiting um but yeah i mean it's it's uh it's it's exciting that nothing is built because nothing is set in stone um but it's it's a constant uh, opportunity for me to just like practice you know speaking up asking for help um and it's amazing because every time i'm like sitting there wallowing like oh my god shit like this is really hard like i don't know what i'm gonna do and then i like sit there i'll sit there for a day and i'll like ruminate on it and then i'll say something and immediately leadership's like okay how can we help you and i'm like Oh, right. Like, that's just what I have to do. Well, that's a super exciting part of working for an early stage company is you have the whiteboard. And oftentimes in recruiting, you don't get that opportunity. So the fact that you're getting to build the frameworks, like make sure that uh, you're, you're essentially building a roadmap and a platform for new employees who are coming in and helping them grow in their career, which is very exciting to be able to do. Outside of just, you know, interviewing candidates and getting the, getting the right candidates onto the team. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And I always think of myself, like, I think I've kind of alluded to this earlier, but like, there's just so I think, interviewing, negotiating, like, there's all of these taboo things that exist in within our realm as recruiters, right. And as we see, like, these things just happen like all the time i'm like i actually negotiate with somebody like twice a week right like it's actually not that rare every person who's you know working at this company they're all like you know seasoned negotiators whatever but like people feel really uncomfortable around those conversations like how can we normalize these conversations how can we um yeah just like help people understand like you know it's okay that you're asking a lot of questions in fact you should be asking as many questions as you possibly can before you sign off and sign any offer, right? Like you should be feeling good, right? Obviously it's a dance. Obviously sometimes I wish people didn't negotiate with me, but like, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's cool to be kind of like a conduit in that regard for, for people. And that's really what I, that's like one of my favorite aspects of the, of the job is just to like help people process. Um, it's a, I think it's the Myers-Briggs, I took that one. Our CEO is like really into Enneagram. And then I took the Myers-Briggs and like the one that Myers-Briggs one that I was is like, I'm the enthusiast. So like I like to like reach and then I also love empowering others to reach. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's me. <laughs> that's super so, cool. So what roles are you hiring for right now? Like, what are we not hiring for right now? <laughs> We're hiring a lot um, across departments. So we just hired an amazing VP of marketing um, from Vercel and he has a roadmap. So we're, you know, we're going to hire um, field marketers. Uh, we're hiring an AE under our amazing senior director of sales and BD. I think one or two product is expanding very rapidly. As we know, web three, there's just like infinite things that we can be building. And so quite a few PM roles. Um, one of them is also just, you know, it's a backfill for a promotion, which is great. We've got a few roles right now that are that are in that vein, not because we've let go of anybody, but we're actually promoting internally, which is really awesome to see. Um, backend, front-end engineering, uh, DevOps, design is a whole other thing. So obviously we wanna make sure as a product org, we're, we're aligning PMs and designers. But beyond that, um, we hired a, a really, really amazing I'm like everyone that we hire is amazing. I actually believe that. I'm like, oh yeah, Steve. Um, no, he's him and I are kindred spirits. But yeah, he's um, he's hiring and scaling out his team. Uh, you know, product design is just like an incredibly niche and difficult, and like I'm sure you know, like um, title and, and function to recruit for. We've got a really high design bar just because you know, it's design is what makes our product so usable and intuitive. And so we've got a few product design roles as well. Got a lot, got a lot of roles. Is there any and, role that you have right now that's like the, um, I would say, I don't want to, uh, I take that question back because I don't want to ask you what the hardest role is to, uh, <laughs> I feel like that. Like the most Yeah, I, maybe a better question is like, what's the most exciting role you have right now? Like one that you're like, like the person that gets this job is going to have such a fun time at work. Oh man. Damn. That's hard. They're all gotta, I'm like, I, I can't pick one. My, my tech sorcerer is yeah. going to have the best time. That's who it's going to be. No, it's like crazy. Cause I just, I fall in love with everyone that I recruit. And so it's, it's a lot of like, 
you know, oh, I'm really excited at this time. Like I've got a lot of really strong momentum on the front end role this, this week, which that feels great. Can't wait to hire below Steve, who I mentioned. I mean, the product roles are all really great. Um, really, really incredible PMs at our company. Just like, it depends on when you ask me, I guess. Like the sales folks have like got really great people interviewing. I'm like really excited to expand that team. I love recruiting and go to market. Yeah. Well, we may have some listeners applying, so we'll include the links and everything for anybody who's listening to go. And I mean, what's, what are, what are like the ways you're finding these candidates? Like I, I have trouble in web three, right? Like they're in pockets that are hard to tap into. Like where have you found success in just finding those nascent skills? Totally. Well, it's interesting because I think like every new industry, it's kind of like the same stuff, just like a different vocabulary, you know? So it's not necessarily that we're using different tactics. I think it's, it's the same tactics and dot, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, I believe wholeheartedly that the team internally is the best equipped to recruit the best talent in the market. And so, you know, today in our all hands, Hank, our VP of marketing was like, Hey, like go out and like recruit your friends, people that you've worked with. And I was like, yes. like, I didn't even ask him to say it. I was like, hell yeah. Um, yeah. So I think those, those are the standards. I mean, obviously when it comes to you know, we've got like some blockchain specific roles, I haven't quite really delved into those, but I think the same tactics, just like where are people working, um, you know, what's relevant to us, obviously, when it comes to actually interviewing, I think we've got a pretty high bar. We want to be this way always. And I think especially as a company of under 100 people, yeah, it's just really important. Um, but yeah, same same tactics. I think engineering, you know, you, you have to look at like GitHub and um, others sort of like we've got a developer experience engineer like that's that's more niche um, but luckily we've got a lot of people well-connected people internally as well um, we're we're really blessed and fortunate to be one of the few companies that's hiring right now and so a lot of folks are really leaned in in supporting us and so um, so far that that's also been a huge help to some external folks has the market, like uh, being in a bear market, affected the applicants that you've been getting? Yeah, I mean, it's it's constant evolution, right? Like initially, um, we were having a harder time recruiting, but I think it was actually weeding out the folks who conflated crypto with Web3 because we're not crypto. And so, you know, it's not like we need people to know and be, you know, like evangelists when we recruit them. However, I think I don't think that was a bad thing in a lot of ways. Um, so there was that obviously right now there are so many talented people on the market. And so, um, yeah, in, in a way, like we're, like I mentioned, we're fortunate that we get to, to recruit and, and engage in those conversations, but the same standards apply for us internally. And so, you know, for all of our interview processes, we do a, a pretty thorough culture and contributions chat. And so we always just want to make sure that, you know, the work that we do here is, is equally as rewarding for us as it is for any new hire. Um, we want to make sure we're maintaining that, that sort of like collaborative, creative mentality that we've fostered and nurtured um, because it's really important that when we're working, you know, at, working at a startup, it's important that people feel safe and empowered to come with ideas. Right. And so there's that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, people say like the building is happening now and like, luckily we're also seeing as we go to market that 
clients are interested. Like Web3 is still happening, right? There are so many big logos that are like still building in Web3. Um, so yeah, hopefully just like, I think hiring is always a good, a good indication of, of some sort of success. We're still, we're still in a good spot. Um, but yeah. Do you have any tips for, uh, anybody that's applying to the jobs at magic right now? At magic? Yeah. Just be yourself, please. I'm like, if I, you know, it's people want to work with people that they want to work with and spend time with. And, um, it's always so refreshing when you get a, a real feel for somebody. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, do some research on us. Like don't apply if you don't even know what web three is. And if you don't know what web three is just like Google it. I, I mean, I had some early calls with candidates where I was like, okay, am I going to like spend this 30 minutes like talking about like explaining web three to you? And I was like, this is probably not the best use of our time. So like, that's the, the bar. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, just, just be yourself, um, be realistic about whether or not you're actually, you know, qualified for the job, but I'm, I'm still having conversations with folks who, you know, I'm thinking long-term and strategically about just like building those relationships. Um, yeah, I always say like, this is kind of elementary, but like every job description is, is a like checklist, right. For candidates, just like compare your resume with the job description. Are you like qualified for the job? Apply. Um, Okay. Um, and I think, uh, last big question, um, what can somebody do to stand out with their resume? Like, do you like memojis on the resume? Do you like blockchain engineers? Yeah. Do you like the current standard? Like, um, you know, there's, and again, it depends on what position I'm sure somebody is applying to that, that that matters, but um, I get that question a lot in our Discord. It's like, do I go the like, you know, standard resume route, um, or do I like add a pop of flair to it? And it's always my answer to that is always like, no, no, no. Like you said, be yourself. <laughs> like you won't get dinged for But for you, like since you're looking at resumes all day long, what can somebody do to stand out? Um, I'm like, I'm gonna like probably reveal too much right now but like I don't even really look at resumes <laughs> to be honest. I don't have time but I mean I I also like I I would rather talk to somebody I'd rather hop on a call but that's not everybody and so I don't I would never advocate for not having a good resume because there are plenty of recruiters who do I just am like it's like I feel like they're a little bit antiquated I mean obviously if you're a designer and your resume looks like shit like that's not a great sign right um but also I recognize that a lot of designers are like doing so much work and super backlogged and like they don't have their portfolios up to date. And that's really common actually. Um, but yeah, I mean like just don't, don't be superfluous with your verbiage. I don't care what it looks like. Um, an easy trick again is like, just if you're looking at a job description, just integrate, tease the, the job recs into your resume. It's like kind of a, a foolproof strategy. Um, and if you're not qualified, then it doesn't mean you shouldn't apply, but I'm just saying like maybe manage your expectations a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like, you know, the, the, also the standards, like no spelling errors. Um, I think it's better to keep it to one page, but like, I know that a lot of engineers do two pages and that's totally fine. 
um, yeah, I feel like there are things that I look at when I look at a resume, it's like title, company, tenure. Um, yeah, but I, I'm really like not at all a stickler for, for resume stuff. And I, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I just graze. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, I agree with yep, you. There's, yeah. I'm going to have to find it. There's like a, I don't know what the statistic or they did a survey, but it's like the average recruiter spends like less than 20 to 30 seconds looking through a resume. It's just like you said, the highlighted pieces that you try to target. But like, I've, I've seen some cool, I don't know, like little stuff. Like if I see someone apply through LinkedIn or send me a message and they've got like an NFT PFP as their profile picture, I'm like, Ooh, they must be, they might be a DGen. Like all I'll look a little deeper or like I've seen, and I've even put like, now I'm a member of a DAO. Like maybe I'll include that in my resume as like some auxiliary stuff. I think a lot of that for like people coming out of web two, it's hard to show crypto. Like if you're a DGen off hours, how do you show that while you work at Facebook? Right. So like, I feel like we'll start seeing some more of that stuff, but who knows? Like I said, I, I think all three of us think that PDF resumes are a thing in the past. Um, Lacey's working on some stuff to uh, change that, but uh, be cool to see how it kind of evolves over time. Yeah, like I've seen some cool websites. Like if you're an engineer, like let's see what you've built. Yeah. yeah. Cool stuff. Well, um, where can we find magic jobs or jobs at magic? Oh, okay. Well, we've got. I think it's careers. We have a careers page. Um, our LinkedIn should be up to date. And then I don't know if you have any like supplemental stuff, but I'm happy to, to even provide my my email address. Or you could always email careers at magic.link. I think it's always worth a check-in just because we, again, have stuff on our roadmap that might not be posted. Um, I think obviously it's always a dance between like candidate timeline and our timeline. But um, yep. I think we're, we're populated on most of, of those sites. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through a little bit about your background, about magic, about the opening or the open roles. Um, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you'd want to add? I just say like, yeah, if you're, if you're interested in web three, if you're interested in making web three more accessible, we're definitely worth a, a look. Um, we're building a lot of really cool shit. I think uh, it's a really necessary building block, stepping stone into into Web three. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to to continue meeting all of the folks that are interested in us because it's been really fun. Awesome. Well, uh, links are dropped below in the description, uh, both on YouTube and on Spotify. And uh, drop a, a hand wave emoji if you've applied to a job. Um, but Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you.